Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Chrislyn Durham, and it is good to be in worship with you this morning. Over the last several weeks, we have been doing a series here called A Look in the Mirror, where we have talked about a survey that many of us took about 18 months ago and walked through scriptures alongside. So far in our journey, we have learned a couple of things. The first thing that we have learned is that is there are summer and winter Christians that exist within our community of faith here. Now, neither is better than the other, and most of us are probably a mix of both. Summer Christians tend to use their faith to face the world with certainty and optimism, and winter Christians often use theirs to wrestle with the tough questions of life and faith. While we are typically a bit more of one than the other, it is important to recognize how important it is to have balance with one another. The second thing that we have learned is that by looking at all of the variables, like understanding the Bible, faith practices, political and social thinking, how people work through challenging issues and other such variables, we find that our summer and winter Christians can be broken down even further into three specific groups, defenders, advocates, and reliables. And if you will notice, there's a handout that you received when you came in so that you can see the difference between the three of them, the third one we will talk about today. It is important to remember, though, that as we're talking about this, that we need not pigeonhole anyone in any certain group. The third thing is that so far in learning about our differences, it can bring a lot of tension. It's not inherently bad for tension to exist. It simply means that we have differences in many of the things that worldwide we have been told we should agree upon to be in community. Things like faith, politics, and social issues. Living into the model of understanding our differences and meeting each other where we are are an open door to being unified and able to do the work which God has called us to do. Last week, we spent some time talking about the defenders and the advocates. But today, we will move to the reliables, the last of the three groups But before we move into understanding one another even more, I invite you to join me 
in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 23 through 31. After some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, him being Paul. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and argued with the Hellenists, but they were attempting to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up. Living in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. We pray that over these next few moments that you might just clear our hearts and minds so that we may receive a word from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. I have been alive 35, almost 36 years now. Over my lifetime, I have seen a lot. I have witnessed difficult moments personally, experienced sickness and death. I have seen and known joy. I have witnessed difficult moments communally, tornadoes, earthquakes, and hurricanes that completely changed a community, violence that seemingly is just getting worse, and hateful rhetoric finding its way back into the social norms. But I think the thing that I have seen the most especially over the last five to seven years, is the great divide that seems to exist between us. We not only see it at the governmental level in the U.S. or in our United Methodist Church as a whole, but we also see it in our own local spaces here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In a guide created by Linda Tropp and Tricia Darone, called Cultivating Contact, they talked about the importance of community. One of the things they address specifically is this great divide that we are living in. The differences that now exist between people and communities, and they began to ask the question of how we should respond. And they gave two choices. Should we respond by building walls, or should we respond by building bridges? They point out that typically when we build the walls, we do so in an effort to protect ourselves out of feelings of insecurity, fear, or lack of safety. In the short term, this works because it creates its own form of security. But in the long term, this can cause even more of an us and them mentality, causing even more distrust, 
fear, and damage to the society as a whole. On the other hand, if we were to be building bridges, we would be engaging in the hard conversations, being uncomfortable by sharing stories and life experiences in an authentic and respectful way, while also receiving and hearing stories of those who we may not understand. We find that we no longer only develop a greater understanding of one another, but we are also more invested in the well-being of one another. And that investment in one another compels us to work alongside each other to ensure that the other has a place. Bridge building is not a new concept. There have been people who have bridged the gap through history, helping people see and know other people. People like Martin Luther King Jr., Desmond Tutu, and other religious leaders. But it goes beyond religion. Authors of books allowing others to experience a different world from the one in which they grew up. Doctors who care for all, lawyers who give of their time to counsel those who could not afford them, teachers who love and teach no matter where the students come from, everyday people, many probably in this room, who do that work every day within their jobs and community. Being a bridge person could mean facilitating exchange between two cultures, but it could also mean facilitating conversation and connection between two in the same culture, trying to help one another connect and thrive together, creating a bridge instead of a wall. We see one such bridge this morning in our reading in Acts 9, before we jump into the text, I think it's important to know a little bit about what happened prior to it. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament and who the book of Acts fo follows closely, used to be called Saul, a Jewish leader with a hatred of all Christ followers to the point of searching them out and putting them on trial for punishment. Prior to Acts 9, he had gone to Damascus to do just that. But then something happens. A flash of light knocking him to the ground, blinding him, and a voice that says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, in his blindness, responds, Who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The people with him heard the voice too. Saul goes on to Damascus just as planned, but everything else changed. Everything else was turned upside down by this experience. He was now blind, and he didn't eat for three days. After receiving a word in a dream on what to do, Ananias reluctantly goes to Saul, having to trust that what he was told was true that Saul would not kill him. And he said to him, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me to you 
so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. As he said this, the scales that had caused him to become blind fell off his face. He was baptized. He ate. And he began to get to know those around him as he lived into who God was calling him to be, ultimately becoming the one he came to arrest. Paul began to preach. But as anyone would be, many were skeptical, including the apostles. They were sure he was there to cause trouble and harm to those who worshiped God and questioned his very faith, not even giving him the time of day. This is where our story picks up this morning. A man by the name of Barnabas gives him a chance. He realizes his change and he feels the need to bridge the gap giving Paul the credibility that the disciples needed so that they could not just listen to Paul, but I would also guess for Paul to listen to the apostles. Here we have Paul, the brilliant Jewish academic, uniquely gifted to begin forming the Christian theology, that of which our theology comes from even today, and the apostles people who spent three years with Jesus, seeing everything that he did, everything that he said. They watched him die. They saw him raised from the dead. They are in a position now where they are trying to lead this movement that is rapidly spreading across the whole world, creating millions of questions that they are not yet equipped to answer. But because of Barnabas, the bridge that they needed could allow them to be about God's work together. Last week, we met two of the three groups which emerged from our survey, the advocates and the defenders. We left thinking about how much they needed each other and yet how puzzled we were over how very little they had in common. Today we meet the reliables, often a bridge between the two, though it must be stated, each of us possess the ability to be the bridge. The median age of this group is a decade older than the other two groups, 65. Reliables are deeply faithful, loyal Christ followers who love their church family you will likely find them to be politically moderate with a slight conservative tilt no matter the party. They will likely be serving in multiple ministries in the church and the larger community. It is likely that their faith would be more summer Christian, meaning they, like the defenders, value the certainty found in our faith and look to faith to provide optimism about life. But they also have questions and can be a bit wintry at times, like the advocates. They often have daily faith practices and consider the Bible as the general rule for faith and practice. This is one of the places where a reliable might bridge the gap between an advocate and defender. They value loyalty, authority, and purity, which is similar to the defender's. 
It's likely that they are disciples in action serving weekly and like the advocates, usually with people on the margin. They are open to ideas that are different from their own, but usually feel uneasy with change, mainly because they don't want to lose anyone along the way. These are the typically older people encouraging us to love one another no matter what through the hard times. While they have many strengths, they also have many blind spots and temptations, just as the advocates and defenders. They often need help navigating all the current conversations about deconstruction of faith and the future of the church. All of this talk raises their anxiety like no other, but they do appreciate and understand the need for all this questioning. While it makes them very uncomfortable with help and encouragement, they are able to stand in the middle space between the advocates and the defenders, offering that bridge that is so needed at times. While they have generally moderate thoughts about various social issues, they need the church to be clear while also being loving. Talking about our differences is hard for the reliables because they fear people will leave due to the discomfort they feel more acutely than anyone else. And they value our church family and likely their nuclear family so much that they can't bear the thought of someone walking away. Their primary temptation is to not just talk about, to just not talk about the stuff anymore. A secondary temptation is to lean too far into the summary Christian nature, claiming certainty and hope without acknowledging the vast number of people who need us to deal with the tough questions of life and faith. It's almost like they put their head in the sand and just hope it passes, because that would be easier. All three of these groups of people each have a road to failure if the other was not present. One of the struggles of each of them is the desire to be the best or to only engage with people who are like-minded to us or to forget that we need each of the others. The question becomes, how do we move toward the bond of peace that Scripture talks about, given to us by the Holy Spirit in the midst of our differences? How do we create bridges instead of walls? How do we share the love of Christ with people from all walks of life? The answer? Come back next week, and we'll talk more about the questions in the face of a world which says it's impossible. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.